Before we get started, I want to tell you all about a few other ESPN podcast offerings. Around the Rim presents I'm Speaking, hosted by LaChina Robinson, an interview series focusing on black women across sports, entertainment, and culture who are refusing to be silent right now and who want real change. Episode one features a conversation Robinson has with Netflix chief marketing officer Bozama St. John and WNBA player and activist Natasha Cloud. Also, Stephen A's World streams weekdays on ESPN+, bringing fans Stephen A. Smith's entertaining perspective and deep expertise with signature guests. The best interviews from Stephen A's World are now available as a podcast every Wednesday. You can catch Around the Rim Presents I'm Speaking and Stephen A's World wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we're doing on Monday early afternoon during the All-Star break. Uh, joining us just off a plane uh, leaving uh, Atlanta, where he was one of the few media members. Spears, uh, how many media members were actually in the arena last night for that game? You know, it's really hard to tell, but um, maybe 50? Oh, is that many? Okay. Yeah. Um, you you got to remember there were some locals. Yeah. Um, but I was surprised to see uh, a reporter from Spain and a reporter from Italy, uh, um, China. Like I, I was surprised to see some of the international media that was there. But it was it was a spattering. I might be being generous. All right. Well, that's Mark Spears. He's joining us from New Orleans, and also joining us from New Orleans is our uh, Pelicans beat writer. Uh, Andrew Lopez, what's going on, Andrew? How's everything there? Uh, enjoying this beautiful weather. I think we've we've sent some beautiful weather to you for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I know you guys got hit with some. Did it snow in New Orleans two weeks ago when it all it, went down? It did not in New Orleans. It, it surrounding areas got some and a lot of ice. And you know, when when ice hits down here, everything shuts down for like three days because we don't know what we're doing. Um, but other than that, it was it's it, it, we didn't get the ice part. So I mean the, the snow part. So that was kind of the upsetting thing. Like if it's going to be that cold, give me snow. Let me see it for once, and then, and then we can go away. Spears has New Orleans roots, but he lived for years in Denver, so he's he's got cred in my in my view. He's got winter cred. <laughs> you forget you forget Boston. Yeah, Boston too. But I mean Denver way before that. You had it before you went to Boston. Nah, I remember when I lived in Boston one time. They had a big snowstorm. And I'm I'm going to see if you remember this, Brian. Allen Iverson gets traded to the Nuggets. It was around Christmas time mm-hmm. um, for Chauncey Billups to, from the Detroit Pistons, right? Oh, no, this is, I'm sorry, from the Sixers. That's I'm talking about another trade. That's right. He, get, he gets dealt from the Sixers to the Nuggets, and his arrival was delayed by like four or five days because of snow, because the weather was so yeah. bad that you couldn't get there. So bad. I remember I saw somebody um, skiing down the street. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Iverson ends up, after being delayed for five days, he shows up. But he and Mello did not play together for about a month because Mello punched a, uh, one of the Knicks players in a game in New York That's right. and was suspended for a month. So it took about... Yeah, like a month after Iverson got there, they finally were able to play together. I remember the footage of Iverson arriving. It was, it was, so, it was such a big deal. Iverson arrived, and the private jet door opened up. And uh, first off the jet was Allen Iverson. Second off the jet, 
his agent, Leon Rose, who's now running the Knicks, which uh, yeah. just shows you how things go. <laughs> um, you know, the All-Star game in Denver, which was 15 years ago, I remember it was 70 degrees and sunny, um, which hasn't One been the case. <laughs> hasn't been the case <laughs> at a lot of All-Star games. Um, so what was the the feel like there, Spears, um, an All-Star game like, like uh, no other? Um, I feel like on balance, the players – were for the most part in, interested in it. LeBron was simply showing up so he didn't get fined. Um, but for the most part, I felt like the, the guys were, were were invested in it. Well, it, it was absolutely odd from even my standpoint. Like I, I left the Glen Hotel, which you guys know is like literally two blocks. Yeah, yeah, two blocks away. If you're covering one of their Hawks games or an NBA thing there, that's the best thing to do is stay there. So I go down the street and it's ghost town like nobody there and so you make that left to go along yeah and that's uh, you know by the georgia world congress center and yeah uh, i mean that's typically i mean i haven't been to atlanta since the pandemic started but you know that area is usually pretty the uh college football hall of fame is right there yeah Yeah. and so i go and make a left by the arena and there's just some cops there's no no traffic allowed uh, alongside the arena so they took my id called in my name and I guess they told him I was credentialed, which I apparently they had to do for every credentialed media person. And so I went and walked over by the Dominique studio, uh, a statue got my credential. Then I had to walk around the, to the other side of the arena to get in and use a clear app to get in. And he just went yeah, in. So by the way, this is, uh, I just was reading about this. So this is a, this is, there's a number of apps out there that are being used to let fans into arenas um, yeah. and, and uh, potentially into the, into countries later on, but the clear app is one of them. So how does that work just for, because this may be um, something if you want to go to yeah. a game, you might have to have something like this. Well, I've been using it uh, for the Warriors games because Warriors and the Nets, uh, uh, as you know, I live in the Bay area. They're, they're one of the, the only two teams that actually make you take a COVID test uh, mm-hmm. before you go into the games in terms of the media. Um, and then once, uh, but once I got to the Hawks arena, the, I go into the clear app and it says sports. And so I like clicked on sports and then it said Hawks games. So I had to like click on the Hawks game and, and go through a series of questions um, about whether I had been sick, you know, you know, the same thing I'm sure a lot of us have answered about being exposed to COVID or not and stuff like that. And then once you finished all those questions, then you show them the app. But another interesting feature about it is my face is already scanned into that clear app. So I I have to do the face scanning as well. And takes about a three to five minute process. Once I'm done, then I show uh, the people at security the app. And and your phone scans your face to verify identity. Is that what you mean? Yeah, and you then better, it generates you like download a, it because you're yeah. gonna be going to some games soon. And so it it like <laughs> creates like a QR code. Is that and that? Yeah, yeah, right. Once once you know you scan for the right identity and then answer all the questions, so they know it specifically is you. Then it eventually gives a QR code. And then if you've had a recent COVID negative test, that that's loaded in there as well, right? Is that part of the deal? That's supposed to be part of the deal. Uh, they ask you. Okay. 
So whether you want to be truthful or not. Or, well, all those <laughs> questions about whether you want to be. I mean, I would think yeah. if somebody had a, like they ask you, have you had a fever or a cough or whatever? I would think yeah. if you had a fever or a cough, you wouldn't come to the game. But then again, yeah, we got ourselves into this mess by people, you know, <laughs> not just doing that. But Andrew, when you go to Pelicans games, what sort of, uh, what do you have to pass through? It's it's pretty pretty basic. You're uh, you're gonna walk around the side of the arena where you where media normally go in at, and when we get in there, it's uh, uh, somebody just asking you the questions. They're taking your temperature. You know, have you been in contact? All those questions that Mark was talking about that we've we've answered. <laughs> it feels like so many times, um, and and that's really it. On for for fans for Pell's games, it's. They're doing the same thing, temperature, asking, you know, answering the questions. Uh, and, that, and then that's about it. Uh, when we get in there, um, I think, and, and Mark's, Mark's been to, to one, one Pels game. He can, uh, you know, speak to this. Brian, it's just like, just come in. Yeah. Spears just said, you just put it like Well, that was, that stopped. You're, you were the only person to sneak away and do that. Uh, I don't think we can do that anymore. <laughs> they, uh, they locked that up. But, it's you, you go up in the 300 level in this section by yourself. And even though the smoothie King is, is one of these, uh, you know, arenas that has fans and they have fans in the upper decks, there's barricades and security on those sides to not let them come where the media is. And then you go back downstairs and you leave. It's, uh, <laughs> through, through, you know, back doors. It's, uh, it's, it's still a, I don't know. It's still a surreal process kind of going through that after, you know, experiencing regular games. And I messed it up for everybody else. <laughs> that's pretty much what I'm saying. Yeah. That's uh... I bet it was, I bet he wasn't alone. Um, so <laughs> the players arrived in uh, Atlanta on various, uh, by the way, I looked at the, um, the private jet manifest, not the manifest, but the private jets that were left out of Atlanta last night. And, um, I'll talk about that in a second. The players got into Atlanta by private jet on Saturday. Um, they, I think, had to report to the hotel. I don't know what was the player's hotel, but they had to report to the hotel by 7 p.m. And once they were in the player's hotel, in theory, they couldn't leave. They were locked down inside the player's hotel in their rooms. Um, they had to pass three COVID tests uh, yeah. before tip-off. Um, so Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, they tested negative, um, but the strict quarantining uh that they went through uh helped in theory again prevent them from having exposure to other players that would have potentially caused other things so the so in a way the nba's system actually worked um and now the interesting thing about this spears woge reported that it was uh the bar uh, their barber in philly that they got lined up before they left to go to all-star if it's the well i don't know which barber it was but and I don't want to say because I don't know for sure, but if it's the barber who's very well known in Philadelphia, I won't say his name, but if it's the barber that all the NBA players go to Philadelphia, a lot of players go to that guy. Do you know what I'm talking about, Spears? I don't want to say his name. Was he in the case. bubble? I think so. I think he was one of them. Oh, wow. I, I heard this yeah, guy. Let me know off, off there. <laughs> all right. I heard this guy sometimes takes up to an hour to give a haircut and sometimes charges as much as a thousand bucks. An agent told me that. Wow. So, um, but uh, there were, you know, so <laughs> a lot of people were talking about, boy, this is a potential super spreader event, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't think so at all. Wow. I think 
the place that the NBA is worried about was not Atlanta. The place the NBA is worried about is Miami. Because, (laughs) guys, last I heard, there were around 150 players who were planning to be in Miami um, this weekend, this past weekend. And the reason the NBA knows is because the players have to have COVID tests while they're there, and they had to sign up for them. So the NBA had an accurate count of how many. And I was told it was in the... This was two days ago. Maybe it's grown. I was told it was in the neighborhood of 150 players in Miami over the weekend. Um, The testing site, which I think... I don't know for sure, but I think was at the Heat's facility. Um, I mean, that's where their apparatus is set up. They had to give the players a schedule. Like it was so, they had to like, it was drive through and they had to like have multiple lanes and they had to give the players a schedule, like come at this, this time to get your COVID test. So otherwise they couldn't handle the crush. And (laughs) I was checking the private jet flights out of, um, out of Atlanta late Sunday night. And there was, you know, quite a few headed to LA because that's where a lot of players go. You know, there was, was a flight to Milwaukee. I think we can have a safe guess on who that was for. It was a flight to Columbus, Ohio. I think we can have a safe guess. That was Michael Conley, but I don't know for sure. You know, there was a couple of flights to New York. There was a flight to Dallas, a flight to Phoenix, and then a whole bunch of flights down to Miami for the guys who wanted to go join their brethren down there for a few days in the All-Star game. So uh, I'm not worried at all about Atlanta. Like I said, three COVID tests and everything. What the NBA has to hope for is that there was no major exposure event in Miami. We won't know today. We'll know later on. But that's Spears. That's that's where the NBA <laughs> was and is right now. Yeah, buddy. I, I could if, if the club scene in in Miami is any way close to what it was in um, Atlanta. Boy. But the players weren't at the clubs in Atlanta. So that's the thing. Like everybody. No, no, like, no, 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 no. You're not. You're missing what I'm saying. All right. I'm saying if the club scene in Miami is what we saw on in Atlanta, not saying the players were in the club in I Atlanta. See. I see. I would be worried because that certainly didn't look like anybody had a mask on. And uh, and uh, there were certainly uh, probably a lot of dancing and breathing going on. So, yeah, what comes out of Miami certainly uh, will be very interesting to see. Yeah. So let's hope that. Everything in Miami is chill. That we're outside hanging at the beach. We're on. We're socially distanced right. on boats. No bottle service. Uh, you lived 16, in Miami. I did. And I got to tell you, I was the winters there. My first winter in Miami, I didn't see a. Cl- I don't think I saw a cloud in February that year. I mean, it was 78 and cloudless every single day. It was like better than advertised. So I get it. And, um, you know, international travel, I mean, you know, uh, players could, you know, you know, not that they would go on international, but sort of, you know, limited Mexico. And, you know, you could have gone to the Caribbean. That had been tough. And so and also when you're planning, when you're making plans, you don't know. Like right now, the weather is actually great in a lot of the country, but you don't know that. So you're saying, where am I going to be able to go and lay on a beach? You don't know for sure whether that's going to be the case in a lot of places. So. You know, Miami was the place. So um, that'll be that'll be interesting. So this Simmons and then first off, um, Spears, I don't I really was, you know, the All-Star game was fine. Uh, I appreciated them doing it. Uh, Giannis goes 16 to 16. That's a once in a lifetime game. Like, Andrew, did you did you see anything in the All-Star game that you're going to remember for more than 15 minutes? 
Uh, it's probably just Dame and Steph like trading half court shots. Like that's that's really the biggest thing. I will say this: I, I am glad that they brought back the the Elam ending, um, because it did give a little it bit. Shortened the game. Yeah, I was. It definitely yeah. shortened the game. You weren't. I mean, it's it's still. I mean, the end of the game. You're it. If it's a normal game, and you know, Team LeBron is up by thirty. There's there's no real interest, but you're you're watching to see when the game's going to end, how it's going to end, and there was at least something there. You kind of we're watching for, but I think the thing I'll remember most about this is, is Dame and stuff just taking half court shots. Like they were layups. <laughs> so let me, let me ask you guys this. I, I got a question. Should Dame have been most valuable player? You know, 16 to 16. But in the all-star game, how difficult are those 16 shots? He did hit a crazy three. Banked and and Banked. I did and and all full disclosure I did vote for Giannis, mm-hmm. but somebody in Dame Circle was mad at me. <laughs> um, so it sort of follows but, the Dame brand, right? Dame's always kind of. No, I'm not saying it was him, but no, no, yeah. no, no, I'm not either. But I, I, yeah, but yeah, no, definitely follows the brand because if you look at what he did toward the end of the game, the shots he made, the degree of difficulty. Could the d- degree of difficulty of the shots that Dame made be more impressive than a 16 for 16 with just one three-pointer? I don't know. Some people would argue that it's harder to – it's well, it's harder to score on the inside than it is on the outside, but even though the outside shot's farther, that especially in an all-star game, those shots are all wide open. Um, but, you know – then all star again, they're not exactly defending the rim. Um, and they get know. it off the bench. Yeah. I, to, I don't know. To me, it was still, I, I probably would have leaned Giannis just because 16 for 16 is still 16 for 16. Like, I, I know it's all star game 16 for 16, but like not missing one is pretty impressive. Uh, but I, if, if, if I had a, like a ballot, if we're doing like a one, two, three, like Dame's second. Probably and like I, I would have given consideration to him considering he did it, yeah, in roughly the same amount of time and the finish. Like I also, I, do they ask you for ballots post game or is it like one of those like no, hey, well, we he, need it, we well, need he, it midway through the fourth so we can yeah. Move. Well, here, here's the thing where I think it probably hurt Dame was it was a blowout, so you you see what Giannis is doing and you you go Giannis right, yeah. So I would I would guess that. And maybe I'm going to inside baseball. Maybe I'm calling us media guys out, but and ladies. But I'm guessing that most people would probably put their ballot in before the buzzer hit. Yeah. And Dame's like just berserkness, <laughs> like yeah. took part in the last, last minute and a half. So if those ballots were cast already, then. I mean, it was still a blowout, so I think that probably, as amazing as it was, maybe it was like the voters were like, ah, it's too late in the game to change my mind now. You knew who had his ballot in? LeBron. He was he did his, <laughs> he did his interview. He quit, He stopped playing in the second quarter. He did his interview um, before he, – he was on Zoom before Giannis had gotten the MVP. And Really? Uh, I didn't he, pick up on that. Oh, really? yeah. There was only like – I think he only, he only took a couple of questions from one guy. And he was gone. And uh, like I don't think he was probably in Miami next. I don't know which <laughs> private jet he was on, but I'll with, bet with he was Wayne on. Wade. 
I'll bet he was on one of the first ones out of Atlanta Hartsfield. I'll bet. I'll bet by the time Giannis uh, had uh, gotten out of his uniform, uh, he was on I eighty five seventy five South to uh, to the airport, and there was no traffic, so I'm sure he was right in that right in that car. I'm out of here. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, yeah, LeBron. You know, he said it. He said, "I'm going to be there physically, but not mentally." And I think that was exactly what happened. And I don't think Durant was there mentally when he drafted his team. I actually think that. Um, <laughs> Uh, I don't want to say it was a disservice, but I don't think Durant, the way Durant went about the draft, helped the competitive balance of the game. I'll leave it at that. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyeho Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Vivid Seats wants you to get to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch assist and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seat Rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code HOOP. That's code HOOP, H-O-O-P. Visit vividseats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats, experience it live. So Embiid and Simmons didn't play in this um, brings up an interesting point. So one of the things that Adam Silver, and to me, to me, once we get started again later this week, the next two weeks are going to be dominated by focus on the trade deadline and the buyouts that's already started. We're going to talk about Blake Griffin going to the Nets here in a minute. But um, once that's over, guys, I think the dominating storyline in the second half of this season is going to be players and the vaccine. Because... The vaccine is becoming very, very widely available. I know that right now players can't get it, but um, if you look at the numbers, I don't, I didn't see the numbers over the weekend, but I know on Friday, uh, 2.9 million people um, got the vaccine just in one day. So assuming that rate continues and it's going to grow guys because we now have the Johnson and Johnson vaccine available, but let's just say for the sake of projection that it's 3 million people a day in 30 days, that's an extra 90 million people. And uh, it's going to be available to NBA players probably by the uh, at some point in April and um, before the playoffs. And Adam Silver said in several interviews over the weekend that based on the CDC guidance and the CDC updated their uh, policies today, as a matter of fact, um, that if a player has the vaccine, uh, they wouldn't have to go into contact tracing if uh, they're exposed to an infected person, which is exactly what happened uh, here. And, um, you know, that's what's shut down teams is contact tracing. And uh, so that is going to be an incentive for the players to get it. But I'm telling you, um, I just think this is going to be a tough sell for a lot of guys. And um, the league has been trying to, uh, I think over the last month um, has had um, uh, doctors and health experts meet virtually with every single NBA team to give them information about this, to prepare them for the decision. 
but this is a tough a tough sell and they're going to have to probably make some offers to the players to loosen the rules to try to get them to take it and you know yesterday lebron was asked about it what he would do and he said now this is lebron james whose whose voice leads a lot of guys in the league um who who runs uh public um interest campaigns whether it's through voting or um through education um, I mean, he is the voice of part of the generation, and he certainly is extremely influential. And LeBron said, uh, that's a private decision that I'm going to keep with my family. And um, that is certainly not an endorsement of it for other NBA players, much less uh, anybody else out there. So Spears, um, I think this is going to be a very sensitive topic in the league, and I think it's going to require a lot of potentially difficult conversations between um, players and the union and players and team yeah. doctors and players and themselves, each other. Yeah. I mean, I, I, every man and every woman that has to make this decision that they're grown. So I'm not going to sit here and I've, I've had a few lectures <laughs> with friends and family and, um, I basically told them, and, and maybe I'm just lucky, and I'm, I'm maybe talking about the black circle that I'm in, uh, African American circle I'm in, but I'm I'm blessed to know four doctors, black doctors, um, who I trust, and all four of them have done major research. Um, I also know like Dr. Sims from the NBA, Leroy Sims. He was working on um, COVID before probably anybody else even thought about it in America, you know. So um, I, I trust their opinions. And uh, these doctors have told me that, uh, you know, that they highly recommend it. Dr. Sims even told his grandmother and his uncle they should take it. Um, so. I'm all for for it, but that being said, I mean, I respect everybody else's decision, and and uh, you know, I'm it, to me, it's uh, I have no problems with LeBron saying that. You know, I, I I did hear that um when Dr. Sims, who's been making the rounds, talking to all the different teams, um, when he did talk to the Lakers, and I believe the Lakers might have even been the first team he spoke to, from what I was told, um that LeBron asked a lot of questions, which I, I think is great. You should ask a lot of questions. And, you know, perhaps some of these guys being younger feel like, uh, you know, that they're, even if they get it, it won't be that big of a deal. But one thing I do know is, which we didn't talk about earlier, when I did go into State Farm Center and went to my press seat, uh, I paid homage to my late friend, Sekou Smith. And there was, uh, you know, uh, some flowers. Thank, I thank the NBA for putting those down. There was, you know, a, a press seating for him. He should still be here. He should still be alive. I, I think about it every day. I'm still crushed by it. Um, I, it just saddens me that I was at an event in Atlanta and Sekou wasn't there. You know, it's still heartbreaking to me. Now I have personally had family members and and people close to my family be affected by COVID and, and die or um really have some some 
painful, you know, things happen to them. So, but I, I, I just kind of gotten out of trying to twist people arm and shake them and they should do this and they should do that. I, I just know, you know, I trust the people I talk to. I'm crushed by how this is destroyed in a lot of ways, my, my family and, and my friends. And, um, so I, I'm all for taking it. I, I, I get the concern. Um, but every person, I, I guess that, you know, it's, it's not my body. I mean, their body. So who am I to tell them what to do? Right. Yeah. So I think you're expressing what a lot of players are thinking. Um, you know, Jared Dudley was on Twitter yesterday and he said, no one's going to rush when you're young and healthy without enough research. The FDA hasn't approved it yet. And it takes a year of data for that. And uh, the FDA has approved it for emergency use, but not, um, I guess, formal use. Um, you know, Andrew, I think this is going to be something that the NBA is going to have to. You know, Adam Silver mentioned that they wouldn't have to quarantine if they were exposed. But, you know, the NBA, the NBA players are living in work quarantine right now, which means they go to practice and games um, and then they yeah. stay home. That's it. And uh, when they go on the road, they have, they can't leave their hotel room. So the NBA to try to, to try to get players to be more willing to do this, if they're not willing, they're going to probably have to loosen those rules. And, you know, that may go outside CDC guidance, but it's going to be a negotiation, I think. Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. It's, it's definitely going to have to be something where the NBA is, is loosening up uh, these restrictions. If you are vaccinated, you know, uh, when the, I know the, the, the Pelicans had a 14-day, I believe, road trip earlier this season. And uh, that was the trip, I think. It was back in January where Zion Williamson had his inconclusive test, missed a game against the Clippers, um, and then was able to come back because his, his other test came back negative. I remember in that game, in that stretch, uh, a lot of those guys were just getting defeated, basically, because they – it was it was like 14 straight days of, of being in your room. And I think like in L.A. maybe I think it was in L.A. because they, they played the Lakers and Clippers. There was like a like an outdoor workout area they could they could go to. But but other than that, it was it's just these long stretches. And I think there's there's definitely still some of those road trips coming up. I know the Hawks have a nine game road trip over, I think, 16 days uh, later this season. And. Just just going to gym and staying in there, I mean, it, it, it's going to take its toll on these guys. And uh, one thing uh, Jared Dudley mentioned was he, he, he didn't necessarily hear that Silver was talking about that quite yet. So I think that's something that still needs to be communicated right, right. Uh, to to NBA players and, and, and get them on board of, look, you, you won't have to contract trace. You won't have to uh, – you, you can go to dinner. For, you know whether it, the, the whole you know approved list and all those kind of things. So, so yeah, so one of the things that, that, that's sort of not being said is that with the NBA, in addition to the health and safety of its players, that goes without saying, guys, they're worried about the playoffs. They're worried about potentially getting into the playoffs and having you know, and if in, let's say this situation happened with the Sixers in the playoffs, and Simmons and Embiid were quarantined because they had. Um, they had in, in, in they had, had an encounter with uh, somebody who tested positive. What do you do? Like, let's say they're playing the Celtics. The Celtics are all ready to go. Like, they're like, let's play, let's go. 
And and uh, the Sixers like, well, wait a minute, our two our two best players are quarantined. Uh, you know, what what are we going to do here? And um, and the NBA doesn't want to have to get into a situation where they've got to make they've got to step in and have quarantining affect the competitive balance of a playoff game or a playoff series or have to shut down the playoffs, shut down the you know because if, if one team gets behind the whole league is affected where you'd have to take a team out of the playoffs and shut down a whole playoff series like yes they don't want guys to get it but that's also part of the reason they want these shots to get going you know it's it's for the for the league to be able to operate because here's the thing about this about the where the NBA is i mean and look they could eliminate games but there's no wiggle room guys they yeah. have all these games packed into the back half uh, to make up some of these games that were lost. And then the playoffs have to get done. The playoffs have to get done before the Olympics. The Olympics are going to start July 25th, I think it is. Um, I think that's July 25th is the first game for Team USA. I don't know who's going to be on Team USA, but I'll tell you one thing. Um, you do If you're the NBA, you do not want your NBA Finals games going up against um, uh, Simone Biles uh, and uh, – Kay Ledecky and you know whoever the next great American swimmer is and this you know you do not want to go up against the Olympics and obviously if you if you have no choice you'll do it but you know that's one of the reasons why the NBA wants to get everybody vaccinated let's just be honest Spears that's a driving force in this they don't want they want the playoffs to go off without a hitch yeah um (laughs) there's a lot going on here right (laughs) and um I, I I hate that that's the reward for might be re- viewed as the reward for getting a vaccine, you know, is, Hey, you can, we'll get games done and Hey, you guys can go outside. Uh, but that's the reality of it. That's part of it. Um, I mean, I, I been a little bit shy, I guess, to talking about it, but I've had the shot. Um, I got the vaccine. Um, you know, I, um, felt fine on, on both occasions and was blessed to be able to get it. Um, and, um, so, uh, I really hope that they fall suit, but I'm twice as old as these dudes and I'm absolutely frightened. You know, I'm, I'm been very, very scared. And, um, actually when I got the first one, you know, I shoot, I broke down, man. I broke down cause I started thinking about Sekou. So, um, it's just, um, you know, I've, I'd also be curious to know, uh, what the coaches think, what the general managers think, the guys, they guys from my generation, my era and older, you know, um, are they going to get it? Have they gotten it? Um, I, I, I know one NBA assistant coach told me that he really wants to take it, but he feels like he has to wait for the NBA which I think is sad. Like, so you have people that don't want it. And then you have, you know, players that, I mean, coaches and and maybe even players that really want it too, but they feel like they got to wait till, you know, the NBA says it's okay um, in in order to do it, to, to be in line. But right now, I mean, depending on what state you're in, it's all different. That's right. Like most of my friends in in the bay area have have it have taken it um there was a a a black church in oakland that is you know trying to get it to more people of color 
I, I got a text uh, from a friend who mentioned the black church. The black church, and he's like, and, um, "Pass it out to anybody you know." And and I sent it to one friend. They walked in five minutes later and got it. But then I know in the D.C. area, people are still waiting. You know what I mean? It's different wherever you are. But on the flip side, if if an NBA player or an NBA coach have, have has an ability to get it, should they have to wait to the, for the NBA to say go? I, I think they should be able to go get it now if they have the – uh, have access to it. Well, there are coaches um, and other NBA staff who have gotten it, who haven't made it public. I've talked to some of them. So, yeah. but it's a very sensitive thing, and it'll you know it's it'll be sensitive for the players too. Um, but you know, I remember when I when I did the first story back in December, I did a story about uh, the vaccine in the NBA. I remember talking to some agents. So, frankly, I talked to two or three of the agents who have the most clients in the league. And um, uh, they thought that there were, that there would be some guys who would feel like, you know, this is not something I want to do, but that there would be a bit of a peer pressure that would exist. But that swings both ways. Um, there could be peer pressure not to get it. Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to be something that's going to be a huge topic of conversation um, privately, but also is going to really spill out there. Because we're going to have guys who are going to be very vocal. It's just it's just going to happen, and um, uh, especially as te- you know, more and more teams ramp up the number of fans in the building. You know, um, and and more and more places reduce guidelines. You know, reduce uh, restrictions. You know, like in Texas right now, it's a hundred percent open. Uh, but if you play for the Mavericks, you're not allowed to leave your house, other than to go to the, the arena. So, tough situation. Um, Thanks for sharing that, Spears. Um, I'm glad you're. Uh, I'm glad you're taking care of it. I'm glad you're feeling good. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Granger.com. Or just stop by. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Blake Griffin signs with the Nets. It wasn't a surprise that he signed there. It would kind of gotten out there over the previous three or four days. I was surprised, guys. The Nets have a disabled player exception, uh, $5 bucks that they got for, for Spencer Dinwiddie. They still have their mid-level exception, which they haven't used, which is, um, I think, another $5 million. Um, and he signed for the minimum, which, you know, normally buyout guys sign for the minimum, but he left 13 plus million dollars on the table to buy himself out of his contract with the Pistons. So not only do the, do the Nets get Blake Griffin, but the Nets get Blake Griffin on a discount deal. They, he's going to make about a million bucks, a million two, I think for the rest of the season. Um, 
Andrew, do you think Blake Griffin at this point and where he's at can make a an impact on on Brooklyn? Is that is I mean, I, I, you know, it sounds like a big acquisition, Blake Griffin, but you know, if you've watched him play this year, he hasn't been that great. Yeah, but I don't. But you're not getting. I, I do think he can make the the impact because I, you're not looking for. You don't need another guy to come in and give you 23 points and eight rebounds a game. You don't need old Blake Griffin here. Uh, you're perfectly fine, I think, taking this version of him, which is the the, the you know the guy who hasn't even attempted a dunk. He's he's averaging what I think it's what 12, five and three this year or something like that. 12, five and four. Um, that's the guy you're getting. I think you're fine with it because. Uh, you're looking at him on the bench unit. Obviously, you have all the offense in the world on that. You know, when you're healthy, when you have KD, Kyrie, and, and Harden in that first unit, and you're looking at him as somebody who can come in on the, uh, you know, off the bench. Something he he's never done in his career. Uh, he's never he's never he started every single game that he's played in his NBA career. I think that changes now that he gets there, but I do still think he can make an impact because his game is different than what it was. And you're not looking at him to be the old Blake. You just need him to be this new version. Yeah, Spears, um, he's, he shot under 40% the last two seasons. Uh, last year, he was really hobbled by a knee injury. Then he's come back this year. He, um, in, in ESPN, real plus minus, which whether, you know, whether you believe it or how much you care about that or not, he's ranked as the 249th most effective player this year. Um, he hasn't dunked since 2019. Of course, he's missed a lot of games. Yeah. Um, but well, I, 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 I'll say this. You know, in a way, it kind of reminds me of P.J. Brown. Uh, not not saying that P.J. Brown was as, as storied as Blake was, um, but P.J. Brown was a pretty good player. And um, when the Celtics picked him up and also when they picked Sam Casella uh, that year that they won, it, it really, really – like helped their bench. Um, it brought some veteran leadership to the team. You know, PJ Brown was the one that hit that big shot that ended up, you know, sparking the Celtics um, against the Lakers in the finals um, and a big shot in LA that kind of changed everything around in that series. So I, I don't think you need Blake Griffin to be that guy that jumps over to Kia and, and Lob City and all that. But if he could just, be uh you know hit a hit a big three here and here and there give some scoring off the bench be a mellow so to speak you know or maybe some nights he does have a big night it also perhaps can help um as you see the nets giving kd a break and giving um james a break or giving you know Kyrie a break on a night maybe he picks it up so I really don't know what to expect from him or his health. But at this point, if you're the Nets, all you're doing is is trying to fill roles and uh, get more complimentary players. Because I still think a big man is on the horizon where there's a JaVale McGee. I mean, do you anticipate Drummond getting bought out? And I do. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, what if they could still get Drummond? Um, yeah. I don't think they're done. I just think that you know Blake just is another piece to their to their to their team that that could help them, and yep. um, I think that was an uh, had he went somewhere else, I think the role 
like if he would have went to the Lakers or went to the Golden State or, or wherever or the other teams that were interested, they would have asked for so much more of him than he probably will needed to give, uh, at least offensively in Brooklyn. Yeah. So but here's the thing, like, I hate to bring it down to dollars and cents, but if you're paying a guy a million bucks, if he helps you win one playoff game, exactly, he's checked the box. Yep. PJ Brown. <laughs> yeah. PJ Brown helped him win more than one. Cause he, yeah. he was, he was big in that, in one of those games in that Cavs series, won seven games that year I was there for. Um, so, uh, and you know they're they're, they're going to play him at, at small ball center. If you've watched the Nets at all over the last month or so, as they've really started to get going, they've been switching everything on defense, playing very small. There have been times where they've used Bruce Brown, um, who's a, who played some point guard last year for the Pistons. Uh, they've sort of used him as small ball center, depending on their matchup. And so they just they need Blake to sort of be able to switch out there, you know, use the athleticism that he has left. And, you know, you're right, Spears. Like, um, even if he has a great, you know, if there's if there's a game where or DeAndre Jordan, the matchup doesn't make sense, or, you know, Nick Claxton has, has had a couple of really good games for them after coming off an injury, young guy. Um, uh, or, you know, let's let's say they get uh, a, you know, a traditional big man, a traditional another traditional seven-footer, whether that's JaVale McGee or Andre Drummond or whomever, um, you know, where the matchup just works out. And I mean, I, I remember, um, you know, there were when the, when the, um, when the Warriors, cause the Warriors have a, I don't want to say it's an exactly the same duplicate, but the way the Warriors play is not unlike the way the, um, the, the Nets play. Um, and uh, there's reasons for that because uh, Steve Nash was connected with both teams. He was a consultant with the Warriors back then. Um, but I remember there, like there were some series where, you know, Bogut and JaVale McGee were valuable in other series where, you know, like JaVale McGee didn't leave the bench. And that could be what happens to Blake. So I, I definitely think he's value-added, and he's really value-added at that price. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, – I, I remember when the Warriors signed um, DeMarcus Cousins, and people were like, oh, my God, it's over. They might win 76 games, and, you know, there may be five All-Stars on the court. And I was like, well – I don't think so. The guy's coming off a terrible injury, but he can help them. Same thing. You know, I, I think people yeah. are saying, oh, this is another star player goes to Brooklyn. Well, no, Blake is no longer a star player. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, so let's not talk about one of the greatest lines of all time. But he is a, a guy who who knows how to win. And I'll tell you one thing. I'm one of the people that, that kind of thought that giving DeAndre Jordan $40 million in a four-year contract was preposterous. Um, the Nets are finding ways to use that 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 money they're giving to him. Uh, whatever role that DeAndre has played in, um, you know, keeping Kyrie as much on the straight and narrow as he can, um, you know, with Durant and like, you know, he's a friend to all those guys, helping him bring it together. And he's a friend of Blake Griffin, which I'm sure he was a, a factor in the recruiting effort. I mean, we all remember the famous <laughs> uh, where they went and talked him out of signing with the Mavericks. Blake was in DeAndre's house in Houston. Um, I guess he owed him one, huh? I don't know. I don't know. What was it? Blake's Instagram. <laughs> I can't remember whose Instagram, the, uh, the photo of the chair up against the door. It was, it yeah. was Blake's. It was yeah. Blake's uh, yeah. interior decorating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Paul Pierce tweeted the uh, clip art of the uh, rocket <laughs> and Blake and uh, doc and those guys were actually in, um, in DeAndre's house, advantage uh, 
advantage Clippers. Hey Brian, real quick, isn't it funny how 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 loyal and and how much they fought, and now none of those guys are there. What are you talking about? Just the, like the whole thing with getting DeAndre Jordan to come back. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, I, I remember when uh, Harrison Barnes was a rookie. He uh, he he told me Joe Lacob told him to buy a house in San Francisco because the team was moving there. I said, "Well, is he going to promise you that you're going to be on the team in in four or five years too?" Good follow up. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> and, and so now me and Harrison like laugh about that. He's like, "Yeah, no, nah, Mike." <laughs> Team three. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I just remember uh, his agent, Dan Fagan, the late Dan Fagan, who uh, unfortunately passed away after a car accident a few years ago. Um, but um, he, he had negotiated the deal with the Mavericks and to celebrate had rented a yacht to, uh, to take out into um, the ocean off uh, LA to celebrate with DeAndre. <laughs> And DeAndre like didn't show for it. <laughs> um, it wow. was like, yeah, I don't feel it's okay. I don't feel like it. And I can just see Dan. He was, you know, total all business. But I can just sort of see Dan, you know, holding the champagne and and the glasses, waiting for DeAndre at the dock. Uh, you know, God knows what he spent to charter the yacht. And uh, DeAndre was like, eh. And then he had to <laughs> negotiate a deal with the Clippers instead. Um, that was a classic part of that story. People remember. Um, you know, the, the Houston part of it, but I, I want to know more about that yacht and what else, who else is on that yacht. Um, all right. So Andrew, um, I think one of the more fascinating teams in the second half will be the um, team that you cover on a daily basis, the Pelicans. Um, Zion had his first all-star game last night. The first of what I expect to be a lot. Um, Pelicans, I expect to be somewhat active in the trade market. I don't know for sure that they'll make a deal, but I definitely think that they have some, moves they can make on their roster. And, you know, they've Zion's been really, really good the last month to six weeks, playing more sort of point forward, um, really directing the offense a lot more. Um, so I think the Pelicans, not just because of Zion, but because of their roster, could be a team that uh, we want to watch in the second half. What are you expecting to see from them over the next few weeks? You know, that's that's kind of the funny thing is I don't – I still don't know what to expect from this team. I, like, you, once you – once you think you have this team figured out, they do something completely different. And they can go out and beat a Milwaukee, beat a Utah, and then lose to the, the teams at the bottom of the conference in the same same week, it feels like. So uh, I do expect more point Zion. I think that's going to be a big key to what they do. They, they've jumped to you know the top of the league. Uh, in those, you know, top five, top six, I think, in offense, sort of on the back of Zion being able to take control uh, and and use his playmaking abilities. Um, I think he mentioned not too long ago that he he didn't even think it was going to be, I think, this much uh, in terms of of, of using pick and roll and things like that. But uh, it's been very, very effective, and I think it's opened up the court for him uh, in in a lot of different ways, uh, his assist numbers are, are are obviously up right now. They were, I think, it was like one point nine assists per game in the first you know two months of the season, and since then it's it's been over four. Uh, it, it's really kind of unlocked a, a a next level. The the problem is they they still can't defend anybody. 
Um, you, I'm pretty sure the three of us might be able to score on them right now. <laughs> the, the, the way, uh, the way things are going, especially Spears, uh, maybe not me and you, but um, they really have a Don't too soon unless you could get me in a time chamber. <laughs> I, it, it might not matter sometimes. The way you guys, <laughs> go ahead, go ask Stan. He'll he'll talk to you about defense for 30 minutes. Um, but they, it, it's just been so bad on that side of the floor, and they they can't. It's you, you. Maybe you see it for a quarter. Maybe you see it for a six seven minute stretch. But they cannot seem to put these kind of games together. And I think until they do that. Uh, it, it, it's it's going to be a case where I could see them being sellers at the deadline, um, moving a couple pieces because I, I just don't see where else they're going. Yeah, J.J. Reddick Spears has been a name that's been out there a little bit, but um, he's been really good for them recently. So I'm not sure where, where, where that goes. And I'm also not sure whether the, you know, I don't think that they're selling. I think that the Pelicans want to make the playoffs. So if you're going to trade J.J. Reddick, you want a player back who's, Good. It's not going to be dark. just give them away. So that's another thing that I think the Pelicans are probably mulling over over this next few weeks. Yeah, and I, I still want to see, um, you know, when I think of teams who really affected by not having a long training camp or even not having just time to be in the, in the gym together over the summer, um, I definitely look at the Pelicans, you know, having a new coach and Stan Van Gundy who, wants to make them so much better defensively, which certainly was their heel, um, and to not have that. And, you know, Andrew could probably answer this better than me, but, you know, I would expect that they'll continue to get better as the season progresses in terms of them being more familiar with what the coach wants and, you know, figuring out his system and everything. But to see where they are in the standings, man, and, and to see what, you know, at least from an offensive standpoint, like Brandon Ingram should have, I mean, we, we could say a bunch of people should have been an all-star, but Ingram certainly was worthy and had the numbers and we don't talk about him nearly enough, but this team to me should be a lot better than they are. Well, there are well, three, there, how are there four games out of the, out of uh, eighth, but only, well, I guess three games out of 10th too. four games out of eight, three games out of 10th, which is the magic number. Um, they got some work to do, Andrew, to to pull this off to get back up in there. Yeah, and the the, the biggest key for them early on in the in the second half, they 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 open with Minnesota and Cleveland, but then they they have a really tough stretch. It's home versus the Clippers, back to back road games at Portland, road game at Denver, and then home against the Lakers, Denver, Dallas, and then a road game at Boston to finish out finish out March. Uh, that stretch is going to tell you a lot. Uh, what they do in that stretch, where where they're going to end up being. That Lakers game in that stretch is the one that's right before the trade deadline. It, it, it's just, I, I agree with Mark. This is a this is the talented team. They are they are they should be better than what they are right now. Um, they are much more talented than their record indicates. the The problem is just uh, they haven't been able to put it together on the defensive end, and and until I see some sort of of life on that end, I just I, I can't expect them to to continue to get better. Uh, I, I I'd like to see them do it, but it, it just doesn't doesn't seem like it's it's going to happen um, unless some light bulbs go off over this break. And to 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 Spears's point as well, I do think a lot of that comes in with not having a full training camp and 
uh, Stan Van Gundy has talked about multiple times this year to where uh, there's been issues with, you know, if you're going to change some, a lot of things on deep, there's just not the practice time. And there sure isn't going to be the practice time in the second half of the year when they're trying to pack all these games in. So um, it, it could be a situation where they, they use this and get better, you know, into next season when they can build off of this. But uh, for right now, there's just a lot of, lot of questions on that defensive end. Yeah, you know, Zion's still very much learning how to play. Um, for While I do think he's coachable and I see him working hard, um, like, you know, trying to get in position, you know, I see some improvement, you know, just the way he's improved his ball handling. Like, he didn't have that coming out of Duke. So you can sense how he's working on his game, but you also see his rawness. Um, you know, he gets lost in the pick and roll defensively, although he's gotten better. Um, you know, he goes very, very much. The team is reliant on what he can deliver. And, and so his um, he's very much on the learning curve and you can, you can see it all the time. Um, just as you see how amazing he is <laughs> at the, some of the things he can do, especially with the ball in his hands around the basket. Um, so I don't know if this is going to be the year for them. Like I always tell people that um, uh, LeBron did make the playoffs his first two years. Uh, I think Durant did make the playoffs his first two years. Um, I think jaw is special. I don't think, you know, I think they're going to fight, you know, they're in, they're in position right now, but they're going to fight to try to make the playoffs. It's, it's a process, but, um, uh, but they're definitely a team we're going to be watching and they're going to be on national TV a lot. So whether you want to or not. Um, all right. Well, thanks for listening to the Hoop Collective podcast. Thank you to Spears. Thank you to Andrew Lopez. Thank you to Tony who's spinning the dials for us. Appreciate it. Everyone. I hope you all had a good all-star break and we'll be back with some, uh, real games coming up later this week. Thanks a lot.